This is John Air from Pathways. And this is Will from Pathways. And you're listening to the broadcast. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Salo, and calling all the way from the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., I got Will and John Air from Pathways. So excited to have you guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, I was just, before we started recording, I was telling the guys that I they kind of popped into my radar because I've been a fan of the band since, I guess, around 2016 when DS Earray dropped and have been waiting for the next... Uh, full-length out or the the first full-length album that you guys have been sort of posting about for several years now and then all of a sudden you drop the new single which for me was kind of out of the blue i don't know if it was totally out of the blue or facebook just didn't show me your activity uh (laughs) so you're back or or you never went anywhere but now you you have stuff going on and i and i can sense from you know all the stuff that you're doing on social media with new music and all the stuff you have going on that you are you're you're eagerly coming back into the world what's going on yeah yeah essentially you know like you said DSC Ray was our last actual uh record release and then we put out a few videos and singles in between for like holiday specials or the symphony itself um and you know we had been waiting we moved from Florida all the way out to Washington and we found the new singer John Ayer here in Washington tracked the album I finished over the the covid uh, of 2020 and we waited a little while to release but you know it's been about a year since covid has been going on over here so we were like okay it's it's been a while all the music's done we've got the video stockpiled let's start getting things back into the world and start building up some internet hype again yeah i think the the first times we saw john air was you did the the this is halloween um cover and then the christmas three christmas time three right Yep, that's right. Unofficial introductions to the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think and and this is Halloween. You're like totally in makeup, so like nobody <laughs> yeah. really knew who you were. <laughs> kind of a wild intro. <laughs> Let's take a step back for for the the fans of the show uh, that that listen to the show and may may not know Pathways yet. I got into you originally because I think I think the the neoclassical element pulled me in. I'm a I'm a huge classical fan and. You know, of course, I listened to metal and metalcore and progressive metal and stuff like that. But the the combination that you guys did with it was something unique. And so I got into it that way. But I can tell that you're now like venturing into like totally new places. But for people that don't know you, could you describe who you are? And, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that we're kind of venturing out because this most recent single that we put out was actually the last song that we wrote. So it's a little different than the entire full length album, which is still very classical uh lots of you know cellos uh violas anything like that uh but john rose the creator of pathways he went to musicians institute he's always loved classical music and it's been a staple in pathways since its inception um progressively becoming more and more of a foreground in the music from what was once kind of riffs to what became like entirely inspired movements yeah, and and then of course, um, one of the most exciting things you released a couple of years ago was the sym- sym- symphonic poem, and uh, and what I understand is, so this was like a forty-two piece orchestra. There was also a live version where you guys played along as a band, but that there might also be like an orchestra only version. Tell me, tell me about that because there's a concept behind this. I think that's tied to the new album, right? 
Yeah, yeah, you're entirely right. You did your research. <laughs> so uh, John is, uh, like I just mentioned, very inspired by classical composers throughout his entire life. He's listened to them just casually, not like, you know, uh, any kind of um, ulterior motive. He just enjoys them. And he always wanted to compose an orchestra and he did it. Uh, but composing an orchestra isn't just the end game. You have to um, actually put them to each individual instrument and that's very difficult to do. So we paired up um, with, uh, or he paired up with someone who could help him assign like, all right, this movement goes to the trumpets, this goes to the the horns, you know, the, the clarinets, wherever it needs to go. And we created the orchestra in mind for each movement within it, each um, movement, each piano lead, anything that you hear has a part in the album, whether it be in a breakdown or in a chorus or in an intro, there's a little Easter eggs of the entire symphony. Uh, so yes, we did put out a live version where we played all with a band, you know, there's a guitar solo, bass and drums at the very end, but for the album, uh, it's going to be a strictly symphonic version so that when you listen to it in retrospect, you now hear all the stuff that you just heard on the album and you're like, oh, it all connects. Like all the <laughs> themes, I guess, like all the motifs, the light motifs and stuff like this. That's right. You dropped a new single. Um, you're calling it Goo, the great old one which uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to get to the concept in a minute because I, I love the, the concept of it. But is this a single standalone or will this also be a part of the new album? It's a standalone single. Um, it's sort of breaking the ice and letting everybody know that, hey, we're back after a long break and it will be just a standalone. Yeah, it's not related to the album. And what is the title um, referring to? Great Old One. So it refers to uh, the Lovecraftian mythos, the Cthulhu mythos. Um, that's what the lyrics are inspired by. Uh, I read H.P. Lovecraft often, and I'm very inspired by it. And uh, when John sent me the music, it was super creepy. It was super, um, just made my skin crawl almost. And I had to write something Lovecraftian over it. And it was kind of a, a perfect blend of elements coming together. And um, I think I read somewhere where you talked about how it, there's a concept in the, in, in, in the story of the song that I, that I really love. And it's, like you said, very Lovecraft in that we're just like a small speck in this like giant, terrifying, chaotic universe. And we forget that sometimes when we get caught up in our own lives. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that concept? Yeah, that's basically the whole idea behind the genre of cosmic horror, which is what uh, Lovecraft writes. It's that we are insignificant compared to the universe, and we definitely lose sight of that. And uh, that's more or less the message of the song. And um, and then you shot a, a music video um, in a in a crazy manner somewhere, and I got like totally eyes wide shut vibes going on. Everybody's saying that that's what we were going for, which is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the that was the working name for it until we had decided the actual name for the song uh, also also three three words there eyes wide shut great old one uh, yeah works well um it, it also made me think of yeah these sort of kind of modern day cults i mean this there's def definitely like this cult thing happening in the story right that you get sucked into you're seduced by this woman and then kind of taken over by this cult and it made me think a lot about like i think there's um I can't remember the name of the cult, but in New York, there was this, there's this guy that's in prison now for like kind of trapping all these women into this cult that they, wow. were, they were successful women. And then they, they, if they wanted to be more successful by getting into this strange cult and then 
they had to sleep with the guy and stuff and he's in prison now it's like totally crazy we're absolutely corrupt <laughs> that's crazy i'll have to look that up so moving on sounds like you have a lot of other stuff in the works since this is just a taster of what's coming what can we yes, expect sir. then uh, of of the new album uh so it's a full length so it's uh you know got a full 12 tracks uh, it has no tracks that have been released or remixed from any other uh, previous release like DC Ray or Harlot. They're all brand new. Um, there are some instrumental interludes, but they're uh, like they're not just like a spatial kind of sound. They're very like you know intricately written for the most part. And um, of all the songs, like we mentioned, they are made up of all the movements from the album. And then we do have uh, two more music videos lined up as well as a lyric video for another one of the singles. Mm -hmm. So we got plenty of content coming for the people. And then in between all of those, we have various things like remixes, um, BTS footage, breakdowns of how we wrote it, what went behind it, commentary tracks. We're just really excited to like be generating content again. We've been kind of stockpiling for a little while. So when we came back in this age of, uh, saturated, you know, internet consumption that we don't kind of get lost in the static. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually something I wanted to ask you about. I mean, there's like this DIY aesthetic. I think you guys have um, separated from your label, Tragic Hero, and you, right. you're you're totally independent now. And um, can you tell me a little bit about that choice to to kind of take things into your own hands? Yeah, well, the abridged version of it is when we signed on with Tragic, it was for a two album deal, and DSC Ray counted as one of them because it had an instrumental release that made it the the lengthwise. Uh, and then while we were working on the second album, we decided that we wanted to go in a different direction and we wanted more clean singing on the album. Uh, we still want to bring the heavy. I know Goo doesn't directly show that in the album. We do still have plenty of the songs that are more in the vein of Dear Siri as well. Uh, but we wanted more clean singing just to be able to appeal to a broader audience and like connect musically on a different way that DSC Ray couldn't uh, for, you know, like parts that might be more dropped out. You could kind of sing along to. And in that process, we couldn't find the vocalist that we really, really wanted and meshed right with the music. And we had already moved from Florida to Washington at that point. And, uh, you know, we went to the, the, the CEO of tragic, his name is Tommy. And we essentially told him like, you know, we want to deliver this album the best way that it can be, but we weren't able to do it in the time that we were expected to, because we had to find a new singer and then retrack it all and everything. So we uh, separated from our contract, we bought it out and we wanted to make sure that the next release we put out wasn't just because it was forced on a time limit. We wanted it to be exactly what it was supposed to be. Uh, and then, you know, we underwent the the search and we, we searched around and found this guy and then we tracked the whole bad boy and it finally came together and we're like really proud of it the way that it is. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I think, you know, once the, you know, once you click on the link for the new single, when you, when you, when it goes in your timeline, and I think the first thing that strikes you is John Ayer's voice, because that's like one of the newest elements and, and it is going in a different direction. And and when I heard it the first time, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa what, what's going on? Like, we've got <laughs> yeah, something new. The same man that said, bring me his heart. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, but it's so hooky and, and. That's what I think I liked the most about your music back then was like the hooky nature of the of the melodies and the music, you know. And while mm -hmm. I did like the the growling, um, I, I I would never have minded more clean singing. And I and I think that now having not only clean singing but John Ayer's like, I mean, your voice is terrific, and the the way that you create the hooks and stuff and the melodies you create, I think, uh, like it's like you said, it's like sing along, you know, it's like 
And so you now have both of those elements, which I think is awesome. I, and so does that mean that, that we can expect more of this uh, on the record? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure that we appeal to as many different audiences as possible. We want to make sure that we don't alienate the old fans of Pathways uh, by introducing new fans into the fold. Um, we want to appeal to everybody. And I think this album does a really good job of blending both the heavy and the melodic aspects to appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah, cool. Um and what would your time frame, do you think, be for actually releasing the full album? I mean, I know you have a lot of content you're gearing up now. What's your we, What's your plan? We have a date, but we're not going to announce it just quite yet, but it will be 2021. Hmm. Okay. For the record itself, is there any over overarching concept lyrically, um, or will it be also standalone songs with musical themes that are alike? Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of concept albums, and we actually tossed around a couple ideas of what we could use as a concept. For this uh, full-length album, the concept is going to be based around the symphonic poem. Every song, as Will said, it references a, a piece or a motif in the symphony, and that's where the concept comes from. It's not so much lyrically as it is musically. It's kind of funny for us to have this interview before this album uh, that's released, uh, and so I'm asking you a lot of questions about something that people can't hear yet. But I understand that you have a, a unique way of of writing music together, uh, which mm -hmm. may not be like standing in a room and, you know, jamming. Um, do you want to talk a, a little bit about the songwriting process for the record? Yeah, yeah, that's all you. Okay, yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts about Pathways, because um, myself, John Ayer, and like most other musicians prior to uh, Pathways, you know, everything was kind of written, jamming in a room with your buddies. And there's no denying that, you know, great songs get written that way, but Pathways kind of writes it a little bit more like a business where uh, we use a program called Guitar Pro, uh, which a lot of people use for writing, but not necessarily for writing as a collective. Um, so what John will do is he'll throw down uh, a bass skeleton of the song, write out all of his guitar parts, and then like just kind of bass that kind of follows the guitar for the most part with like a couple extra things. And then just like a skeleton of a drum to keep a beat and then he'll send it to me and then i'll create a drum uh groove that kind of shapes the song whether it's drivey whether it's aggressive whatever and from there then we send it to our new bassist kyle and kyle will put in all of his bass and he'll decide what matches up with the drums and what follows the guitar and where to harmonize rather than just play the root he really like you know fleshes out the musicality of it and then after we've written everything uh, in Guitar Pro, we end up tracking it. So it's funny, we actually kind of write it before we even play it. You know, we kind of know our, we know our our threshold of skill. And then sometimes we'll actually write a little beyond our skill so that we have to teach it to ourselves and get a little bit better. We teach it to ourselves, track it. Uh, and then after we track a demo, um, we send it to John Ayer with like, John does like a quick mix himself because we, we go to a producer for the actual album and for the singles and everything like that. But for in-house, we mix it ourselves just to get things done. And then we send it to John Ayer and John Ayer pre-pros it at his house for the most part. Um, and, you know, that's, you don't get to put that in guitar pro. That's really him, <laughs> you know, and he sends that back to us. Uh, and then if we have any like minor adjustments, you know, we'll tell him like, Hey, like we love this part, but change this. Or maybe he'll come in like a couple of days later and be like, I, I thought about it. I want to do this instead. And he'll just like, blow us away with some god notice <laughs> and then uh he'll come over to the house over here and we got a little studio downstairs in the basement and then we'll actually track everything out and then send that off to the producer who will engineer it really give it that that sauce and in guitar pro are you basically writing 
as notation or as like uh, a little bit like you would with like a MIDI um, keyboard where you have like where you see the keyboard layout and you can sort of play the notes into the software? The former. Yeah. So, it, yeah, we're writing it out as notation. We do know how to do piano roll, too. But yeah, for, for the writing process, it's notation because uh, whenever you do piano roll, you can individually sh- set the sizes like 16 note triplet, 32nd note, whatever. But some people like if you don't have it all set to a grid, it's very difficult. And a lot of our music changes time signatures. It changes subdivisions. So when we do it all out notation, I can see John's, you know, shredding in f- two bars of 16th notes then he does a 32nd note run and then he does a 16th note triplet that you wouldn't hear at the end and i can follow along with that in the notation and then kyle can follow along with me on the drums he can see what note value my kick is how long he should hold out the bass or anything like that okay cool yeah i'm thinking i was thinking of it more i guess from the like you know working in cubase and using the like the midi the midi track editor and like you know kind of creating your MIDI stuff, but it sounds a lot more involved than than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun though. It's great. And we will eventually be releasing like tab packs for people as well. So if they want to learn the music, they can. Oh, okay, um cool. and you know, because they write it out as as tabs and sheet music, both of them, so that you can um reference it as needed whenever recording or anything like that, or whenever we practice. Yeah, neat. Are there any plans at the moment to do anything live? In Washington, we're all still pretty shut down over here. Um, yeah, back home in Florida for where John and I are from, most things are open back up pretty full scale out here. We just had restaurants open up partial dining within the last like four or five weeks. So live shows currently aren't on the table, uh, whether we wanted them to be or not. Would you ever consider doing any kind of a live stream? We would be interested in that, but we want to make sure that the singles that we have planned for release are kind of out first so that when you hear them, you know what you're listening to. Because live, when you play a song that you don't know, there's like a little bit of an extra energy to it. But whenever you're trying to translate it, through like something as two-dimensional as like a, a live sound, um, especially if you don't have like a live engineer or something that you're like you're doing yourself or something like that. Um, we don't want it to sound like it falls flat at all. Uh, so we want to make sure that people know the song so that when they hear it, they can recognize it. And and you mentioned this before, but um, I, I do feel like, especially during the pandemic this year, that bands have more pressure maybe to like produce content like crazy to just keep you know keep reminding people that they're still there because they they can't hit the road and and tour as much um i feel like you guys are kind of embracing that and see that as a like a new you always had this as a creative outlet that you you know did covers and made cool you know christmas videos and stuff like that but um are you do you feel like you're embracing that as a necessity or because you feel like it gives you a way to yeah reach the fans with with new stuff Yeah, certainly. And you kind of hit it on the head. We have to be, I guess, artists in general have to always be putting out content these days just to stay relevant. You know, algorithms essentially rule our lives now, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everything. And to stay on top of the algorithm, you have to keep putting out content, not only putting out content, you have to put out engaging content so that people keep coming back. They keep watching your stuff. It's so important these days. And I think um, if you're an artist, you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice if you're not doing that. And John, you come from the YouTube world, right? I'm just kind of curious about your your experience in the YouTube world and what you brought from knowing how that that works into Pathways. Yeah, certainly. Um, I guess a lot of the knowledge that I brought from YouTube was just my knowledge of the algorithms and uh, you know the right time to post, um, post length, 
uh, how to keep audiences engaged and interacting. Um, it's a little bit different, you know, but algorithms essentially all work the same way, no matter what platform you're on. As long as people are staying engaged with your stuff, the algorithm will show your stuff more. I mean, we're, we're all pretty well versed in that, I suppose. So I, I didn't really bring anything original in terms of my knowledge from YouTube, but I guess it just helps the process. And your YouTube channel is totally different, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? It's very different. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge nerd. We're both Star Wars nerds. We, we love Star Wars in the band. Um, and I run a Star Wars gaming channel uh, called The Star Bazaar. Uh, we recently passed 100,000 subscribers. It's more or less my uh, day job. Yeah, um, it's yeah, pretty I, tight. <laughs> and and he's, he's a killer gamer too. Like if you, like obviously he does the Star Wars game, but I remember one time he came over to the house and me and my roommate were playing uh, Super Smash Bros. Uh, on the, not the most recent one, but you know, and then he just kept, yeah, we were playing Brawl, and he came over and he was, he was like, "Hey, Shonen, you want to play with us?" And he just like whooped us, and like, <laughs> like I'm pretty good, but like he whooped us, boy. <laughs> and I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I'm also a huge Star Wars fan, uh, child of the '80s, um, but I, I'm not in into gaming so much, uh, and. Is there enough Star Wars gaming out there to to do a channel? I mean, there must be because you're doing it, but is there enough to to keep it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was. Not anymore. It's actually kind of a rough spot right now. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm uh, patiently waiting for the next big announcement. kind of helps the band. I'm able to focus on this a little bit more right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, there has been... I mean, there's plenty of Star Wars games out there, but yeah. ones that are engaging enough because games when we were growing up were a lot of like, single player games so once you beat them you can replay them but they don't have as much value a lot of the online games people want to know how to get that competitive edge over another player and that's where his channel thrives yeah. uh they update things like hey you know this this skill now acts 0.25 seconds faster something like that and then you get enough of those skills added up makes a difference um so you know the the company that bought out uh, start it was it was all under EA. Now they have like a bunch of new games coming, so they have a bunch of new stuff that he can put out in a little while. But right now, you know, he's just doubling down with us on, on Pathways content. <laughs> <laughs> um, for for the last uh, couple of questions, they're a little bit related. I, I I'm also aware that you guys also have like a, a very wide taste in music. Um, could you tell me a little bit about like all the different yeah musics that you that you each individually like that you kind of bring into your creativity? Mm -hmm. It's a melting pot, man. <laughs> you want to start? You can start. <laughs> so I am heavily influenced by um, by metal, obviously, but none of us really listen to metal. Um, I feel like we say this in every interview. <laughs> we're, metal heads, we're metal musicians, but we don't listen to it outside of what we play, really. Personally, I'm very influenced by old school hip hop, um, pop music, R&B. Um, I love classic Linkin Park, like the Hybrid Theory, Meteora Days. Those are probably some of my biggest influences is Linkin Park um kind of the, the meshing of the hip-hop and the the rock elements and also turkish pop i grew up in a turkish household and the the turkish pop was just always playing so subconsciously it's just drilled in my head cool do you stay <laughs> up actually on like like on like modern turkish pop because i know that that's thriving yeah uh <laughs> you might be familiar with the artist tarkan he's one of the biggest pop stars in turkey um if not the biggest uh, but I, I keep up with some of his stuff. I'm, I'm actually covering a song of his. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and uh, as for Kyle and John, who aren't here, uh, Kyle, he is the newest member. He's the bassist. And he uh, grew up listening to like a lot of what people would consider like classic rock or like kind of like a little bit of a, 
uh, progressive rock, you know, like Rush and the Eagles and stuff like that. Those are some of his biggest artists. But he listens to a lot, a lot of country now. Um, and not like pop country, more like country from before any of us were born is like his go-to. Yeah. I think Kenny Robbins, he says, is like one of his, his big artists. He's listed a few, but they're not artists that I'm really familiar with. Me either. Uh, John, he obviously listens to the classical composers, but he's not exclusive to that. He also listens to a lot of like 90s rock. Like he loves Third Eye Blind is his favorite band. Uh, <laughs> Nirvana uh, is another one that he really respects. Metallica, he grew up on. Queen, yeah. Like he has this thing where he's like attracted to greatness. So like any artist that really just took it to the next level and like was like the... Um, led the way in like world tours and stuff. He's like, just absolutely gravitated towards that. Um, or has like been like a top billboard success consistently, not just like a one hit wonder. Uh, he also doesn't ever talk about it, but he has like a pretty good pension for like, uh, like nineties hip hop. Like anytime it comes out in his car, like he knows all the words and like, you wouldn't, like he never talks about it, but he does. <laughs> and then, um, I am a huge R and B fan. So I listen to a lot of modern alternative R and B. So like, Saza, Giveon, The Weeknd, um, those are Brent Fias, those are a lot of like my go-to artists. You know, anytime you hop in my car, like it's always like the sex room is dialed to 11. Uh, <laughs> I also like a lot of jazz too. Um, so those are my my go-tos. <laughs> um, so the the kind of the last question that we always like to ask our, our guests is, what's in your Walkman? And um, this is a chance for you to share with our audience like, you know, one or two things that you're listening to lately, whether it's a single or a full album or... Uh, what was I listening to? Well, I mentioned Linkin Park. I was jamming uh, Lying From You off the Meteor album the other day. Uh, Primetime by Paul Taylor is a primo jazz song. That's uh, one I'll always recommend. Primetime. Primetime, Paul Taylor. <laughs> and uh, as for... Our, I've got a, a couple playlists uh that i make on spotify if anyone ever wants you know like a variety i've got you know jazz rock um r&b and it's just my name will lanagan a total of two l's so like w-i-l-l-a-n-a-g-a-n and you'll see all the music i'm listening to it's like over well over two thousand songs in there but one that i'm listening to a lot right now is knocking the boots by h-town <laughs> that's a staple <laughs> that's 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 the band uh theme song really <laughs> Cool guys. Uh, so where can uh, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Get, give us all the all the infos, all the socials, baby. Yeah, you can look us up on YouTube if you if you never looked us up before. Pathways Band, you'll find us. You know, you find the old music, Misery, and the new music, great old ones. That's what it's all about right now. Uh, you can find us on every major social. So uh, at Pathways Band for Twitter, at Pathways Band for Instagram. Uh, pathways.band for TikTok. Uh, and, you know, we've also got ourselves on Facebook for Pathways Band and Instagram as well. Oh, I already said Instagram. <laughs> doesn't hurt to, doesn't hurt to repeat it. Double up on it, baby. And the music video is on YouTube and it is the song is streaming on all the major streaming platforms Spotify, Apple Music, all of them. Amazon, Deezer, Amazon. all the goods. And I think it was also Metal Injection premiered it. Is that correct? It, that's right. You can see a little, uh, little write-up and review of us where uh, there's an editor who kind of gives tries to put our our genre for this song into a shell, and uh, we've we've got an interview that we just dropped yesterday with a local uh, Seattle music journalist, Dance Tunes, as well as Misery Point Radio, 
a little further out in Washington for full interviews kind of just like this one. Guys, thanks so much for coming on the show. Like I said, I'm a big fan. I'm very much looking forward to, you know, what you have coming. Yeah, John Ayer, Will, thanks so much. Um, It's been really cool talking to you. And uh, for those listening at home, thanks for tuning in. Check out Pathways. I can't recommend them with, with higher regards. Take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Listen to great music. Progcast is a Stuist Media podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Progcast Podcast. To learn more about Stuist Media, check out stuistmedia.com. Progcast is hosted and produced by Dario Albrecht and myself, Randy M. Salo, and is co-produced by Janine Stengel-Lewis and Blake Lewis. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. New episodes of Progcast drop every Monday and Thursday, and don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite albums that drop that week. See you next time, Prog fam.